leads us to the introduction of James. And I have to tell you, the most gorgeous golden mullet I've ever seen in my life. So so thick, so flowing, so feathered. So feathered. And you feel like you could wrap the curly cues of those locks right around your finger. And I've never understood why a mullet was popular. I know they're back. Uh, on sexy women that live in Silver Lake. Well, to be very clear, this is a luxurious mullet, not yes. a Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. That's this right. Is a, this is a a uh, a thick um, philosophical man mullet. Yes. That's not sexy. That's not sexy. That's not sexy. That's not sexy. Sexy man. Welcome to That's Not Sexy with Alexis and AJ. We're here to talk about how the movies we grew up with gave us some really wild and often very unhealthy ideas about romantic relationships and sex. Join us this week as we revisit Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and then we will probably tear it to shreds. Or not. We kind of like this one. We kind of like this one, though. This podcast discusses sex, sexual violence, relationship issues, trauma, explicit and or weird sexual situations, situations that you might find sexy and we really disagree, romantic encounters that make us feel icky, and a number of other things that aren't for everyone. This podcast may probably include words and phrases that you may find offensive. If you feel that any of this may not be for you, we understand. Talk about sex, baby. I know. I am so excited about this one. We are doing a, I think, incredibly important film called Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And, and uh, I'm just going to say right now, it is amazing. It is a great movie. It is a great 1989, like very, very late 80s time capsule of a movie. And I love it. I couldn't agree more. Like, I, uh, I, I fucking loved this movie. I feel like we could talk for a million years. I'm so <laughs> excited. I love it. Should I just apologize ahead of time for the fact that I have a cold and it sounds like my head is in a uh, a little, um, I have a cold, I have a terrible sinus infection. So this, like... Lex, you're going to be sounding a little more to me more today. And I think yes. you should. Uh... I don't have the, like the sexy husky thing though. I just have like um, cotton sort of wedged into my throat and sinuses so i would say for any viewers who are in our age range i.e of the friends generation lex sounds a little bit like the monica episode where she had a really bad cold and she kept trying to have sex with matthew perry and she just <laughs> had like tissues in her like sad ratty bathrobe pockets and she's like no really i'm ready <laughs> that Let's is get- sort of yes that's, that's how true. i felt before i took uh, cold medicine today I want to play a game with you. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yes. I'm here. Okay. The, ga- the game is which log line fits the movie best? What is, oh, what do we agree? Game. So, choices one, two, and three. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. I'm ready. Choose your log line adventure. A. James Spader stars as a college pal who reveals the low down lust in his friend's high infidelity marriage. Okay. Take it in a little. Breathe uh-huh. it in. Two. Yeah. Wait, did I do an A or a one? 
Two or B? <laughs> I don't know. Two or B. Okay. A of all, as my friend used to say. A of all. Um, B of all. B of all. A sexually repressed woman's husband is having an affair with her sister. The arrival of a visitor with a rather unusual fetish changes everything. Oh, okay. Different, okay. different focus. Different mood. Different yeah. mood. Third one. The story of a troubled man who videotapes women discussing their sexuality and fantasies and his impact on the relationships of a troubled married couple and the wife's younger sister. Oh, I'm going to go with a 2B. <laughs> Either 2 or B on this one. <laughs> so to be clear. To be clear, I would like to pick the second option. I, yeah. I agree. I thought it was funny how, you know, their, their sex lies videotape, there were three prominent log lines from different sources. And one felt uh -huh. that it was about James Spader. One yeah. thought it was about the woman, uh, Andy McDowell, who I think it is about. And the yeah. third thinks it's about James Spader as a troubled man. So it's interesting that like a film has so many different ways you can even view essentially what's the way into the story. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely think it was the the second one because that's the way that I absorbed the movie. I agree. I totally agree. Um, and also we were talking about sort of like the mores of the time. So what where yeah. set for me where we are kind of culturally in the landscape in 1989 as this film's coming out. So I found a couple of interesting ones, just just sort of like tidbits. By the way, if anyone, a lot of this comes from the Feminist Majority Foundation, which if anyone ever wants to look up timelines of women's rights and things like that, it is such a good website. So, so the first one is President George Bush vetoed a bill approved by the U.S. House and Senate that permitted the use of medical funds to pay for abortions for poor women who were victims of, in quotes, promptly reported rape or incest. Yeah, gross. It just it just goes to show where the the whole abortion situation was at. It was still a giant problem, basically, that we we're arguing over. Also, this is a statement. It was an article written by this woman, Felice Schwartz. I have no context about who this woman is, but if she's writing for the Harvard Business Review, she's someone, but it's a woman. Okay. And she proposed that employers should separate women into two categories, career primary and career and family, or in other words, the mommy track, um, those two categories and treat them accordingly with the former to be groomed for top level positions and the latter restricted to mid-level positions with shorter hours and part-time jobs. What? Feminist obviously attacked this and was like, this segregates women and violates all the anti-discrimination laws. I, I, it's funny because like when I read it, I, I, I obviously was like, what? It's just like, let's just categorize them. Let's let's group them into two groups and shove them forward blindly into those two categories. Gross. It's gross and uh, infantilizing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's absurd. And okay, and my last one is speaking of the word infantilizing, there was a case in um the Rhode Island Supreme Court, which means it got high up. Um, it was Perillo versus Perillo that held up a lower court ruling that prohibited a woman from having her boyfriend stay overnight when her three children were present. Guess who brought the court case? 
Oh God. It was her ex-husband, obviously. Obviously. Her jealous ass ex-husband. Oh my even God. Though, even though there was absolutely no evidence the children were being harmed or the boyfriend was any uh, anything of an issue. Right. It was just basically that this woman, I mean, can you even imagine a guy being told he couldn't have his new girlfriend in the house no. when his children no. were present? Never, not in a million years. But this guy managed to to get this pushed through so that she couldn't have her boyfriend over when when her kids were home. It's disgusting. And also, it's kind of saying if you do want this other person in your life, decide are you gonna marry them? Like just right. gonna marry like there was right. all these things pushing women into marriage for so, so, so long. Right. Which is actually one of the things that is big in this movie. Yep. Is like yep. the idea that what, what is marriage? Yeah, what do you yeah. need from it? Who are you inside of it? Yep. Um, oh, I love it. Uh, I'm going to set the stage for us a little bit about where we were in the movie landscape. Sex Lies and Videotape is Steven Soderbergh's first film. He goes on to direct a huge, huge movies. He does the All the Ocean Eleven franchise. He did Traffic, won an Academy Award for that. A wonderful movie, Out of Sight, uh, with mm, Jennifer. Out of Sight, so good. Halo, right? Don Cheadle. Um, gorgeous George Clooney. That is a sexy movie. We can answer. So he's the real deal. But at this time, he's an unproven director. He's done nothing. He's still a kid. And so two years after Fatal Attraction, this little modestly budgeted $1.2 million film starring, you know, recognizable cast, but not famous cast at that time. So we're talking not, not James. Not yet famous. Not yeah. yet famous. So we've got James Spader goes on to become a huge star. Annie McDowell, this is before she hits it big in Groundhog Day, films like that. Uh, Peter Gallagher, who's just done a ton of stuff over time. And Laura Sanjio Como, who had just done Pretty Woman. So she's got some buzz. Yes, yes. Um, but she, I love the four of them. Yeah, they're great. Um, the movie comes out at Sundance. It uh, it loses the grand jury prize there, but goes on to win the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Uh, Which is actually, the grand jury prize sounds like it's the highest prize. Yeah. It's not. It's the Palme d'Or is the highest prize. It is. In independent film, right? It's the number one thing you can get. And it was literally uh, described as a seismic shift in the American independent film culture, the big bang of the modern indie film movement. Went on to gross over $100 million and really changed, believe that? changed the whole landscape. He basically made $100 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he made $99 million. That's bonkers. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Can you, I mean, that is, I mean, considering the year that it was, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And, and also, I think it's interesting to note that for those of you who listened to our second episode, which is Fatal Attraction, that movie's only two years before. And that's a movie that paints adultery in a very big budget, splashy. The woman who's having the affair is crazy. She would want to bring down the family and the husband has an affair, but he's really a good man who's the hero. And I love it that this movie just takes all that apart. The husband's mm -hmm. a shithead. The 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 person's having an affair is young and she's got her problems with her sister and she's but she loves sex. She's having a good time. She's in control of that affair. And she's the one that ends it. Spoiler alert. Completely different <laughs> vibe about women's sexuality. Mm -hmm. even infidelity. What did you think? Just like a, any thoughts on that? I mean, it was, it's such a good time capsule movie. Like yeah. it's so it's so good. And I don't. I don't remember what I thought of it when I first saw it, Okay, but I do know that I liked it. It just felt real. It felt yeah. like a thing that would happen. And on second watch of it, I was 
I'm obviously much more sympathetic to all of the different people in it. Well, except Peter Gallagher. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Gallagher and his eyebrows can fuck right off. Fuck you and your caterpillar eyebrows, you good just, lord. The spender wearing shit. Seriously, you can take all of that and just leave. Um, but I mean, I I was much more sympathetic to how all of this could happen, and I have much more context of, you know, what what marriage is like, and especially what what women were dealing with within marriage at that particular moment in time. Absolutely. So so speaking of that, this movie was incredibly well received, incredibly critically well received. So it kind of clicked all the boxes. It, it hit some. I think it hit some notes that people hadn't had hit in a movie before and and it made oh. people hungry uh and and for example one reviewer said it's about love commitment aggression retreat and the terror of true intimacy the only nakedness on display is emotional with frank mm -hmm. talk and uncomfortable directness and that made mm -hmm. me realize when i first watched it my remembrance of it was like this thumbprint of like it's louisiana or it's georgia it's hot sinewy um and i remembered it as if it had a lot of nudity because it has real yeah. sexy chemistry, no nudity. None. Not, it not, felt raw. I, yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, I mean, we've all seen James Spader's butt like a thousand times. Yep. And Thanks, so I Spader. think I just, rub <laughs> thank you. It's very nice. Um, I think I just rubber, rubber stamped it into this yeah. movie. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait. I and also I forgot that he's impotent in this movie. And also Robert Robert Eber, you know him, Robert Eber. Robert Eber. Robert yeah. Eber. Robert Eber. <laughs> Robert Eber. The great Roger Ebert or Roger Ebert as Roger I Ebert as he uh, will now be known. Bonjour, Roger Ebert. Had a really something that I really agreed with. I want to sling it by you. Spader has the kind of sexual ambiguity of the young Brando or Dean. He seems to suggest that if he bypasses the usual sexual approach, it is because he has something more interesting up or down his sleeve. Damn. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I found him very sexy, even more sexy now. And maybe it's because of our age, you know, like I was immediately in love with him. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the movie, uh, movie starts with a really nice hat trick. I thought, uh, which it comes back to a few times stylistically. I like which is we're, we're juxtaposed between a very beautiful Southern Annie McDowell in her curly, curly locks in a little Lara Ashley dress, sort of worrying, finding things to worry about with her therapist. So she's worried mm -hmm. about the garbage. What are they going to do with the garbage? And I find it very sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, she's worried about things she can't control, which obviously mm -hmm. we're learning a lot. And in that same scene, she confesses that she is not all that interested in sex. Mm -hmm. Sex life is cooled off with the husband. She's she's kind of abhor like doesn't want him to touch her, and she kind of thinks sex isn't all that great. It's kind of a, a lot of wind and fire about. Nothing. She doesn't really seem to get it. She doesn't really she's get. Like, it. I don't. I don't understand the big deal. Yeah, like what's all the you know drama about? Mm -hmm. uh, and then at the same time we see, and we don't know who yet, but we see uh, we see Peter Gallagher uh, at his office. We can tell he's a rich schmucky lawyer because he's got uh like slicked back hair and suspenders and an office with a lot of windows. And he's talking about he's got how the corner being, office. He's got the corner office. And he's talking to a friend about how uh when you're married, all the ladies love you. And he wished he would have known it earlier because he could have saved himself a lot of trouble. So I think he gets beat up pretty quickly. Like the audience is told you're not gonna care about this guy. 
Uh, and then you see he's having an affair. This is our first sexual scene with Laura San Sangiacomo, who's so sexy and so kicky. And her outfits in this movie I would wear now. I, I mean, mean, she's so funky. She has like a cute little bungalow apartment where she paints floral paintings. Yeah. And it, she's a bartender at a dive bar with cool clothes. And she's always wearing like cool skirts and boots. She loves cowboy like, boots. Love it. And she's got great rattan furniture. She's got really great rattan furniture. She's, it is the 80s. I do. Yes. I like that at one point, Peter Gallagher sits down on one of her chairs and is like, does none of, can you sit in none of these chairs in your apartment? Are they all broken? And I'm like, same, same girl. That <laughs> point in my life too. Is there, it's like you imagine there's springs poking out of every chair because they're yeah, all they're for cute. the thrift store. Yeah. Um, that was one of the many things I loved about this movie is the dialogue feels so it's it's funny and then it's intimate and then it's real. And I love a movie that has high stakes only in the lives of these people, uh -huh. but not in the broader world. But oh, yeah. But in that way, it's more relatable. Wait, I'll give me that over car chases and fate of the world shit any day. Like, you know, this is absolutely really, the stakes of this really is Andy McDowell's marriage going to get going to shit, get, get going to shit. Yeah. And, and what does that mean for her? And does she need that to happen? Those are like low Spoiler stakes. Spoiler alert, she way. does. It's the she best. <laughs> so glad her marriage fails in this movie. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and then there's actually a great line that the her therapist asks her, are you happy? And she mm -hmm. says, being happy isn't all that great. The last time I was really happy, I got so fat. I thought John was going to have a stroke. So we know right <laughs> We know right she then. eats she's happy i love it yeah same uh and then here's how we introduce the uh james Spader character we see him at a shitty gas station bathroom changing his shirt wiping his pits as we hear that john has a college buddy who's going to come stay with them and annie mcdowell isn't excited about it he doesn't she doesn't know him yeah but she doesn't he didn't ask her that's right oh, he, that's right. Her, that was the whole thing. He didn't ask her whether or not. And I'm like, I feel like that's still something that would happen in a uh, marriage. You know, like I, yeah. I can't imagine it happening in mine. Thank the Lord in heaven that we're communicate well. Yeah. But like, I, it's absolutely a such a logical, like relatable thing where your husband just gets off and was like, yeah, you can come stay with us and hangs up. And you're like sitting there, wait a minute. Were you going to ask me? It's like, it's because Andy's basically furniture. Yes. In their relationship. She is. She's furniture and she's the pretty girl. And and Laura Sanjikamo has a, has a line where she's kind of digging on her sister to Peter Gallagher. And she's like, wouldn't it be so great if the whole world know that perfect Anne, most gorgeous Anne, beauty queen Anne is a lousy lay. And it's mm -hmm. almost like the way that Laura, Laura Sanji has to define herself as in juxtaposition to Andy, who... She's obviously always felt inferior to, but what she has is like a a, a love of sex and her sexuality and an unapologetic yeah. kind yes. of view. Yeah. You can tell that they're jealous of each other mm -hmm. for totally different things. Like, like, yeah, Andy's jealous of Laura's freedom and her, mm -hmm. you know, that she's sexy and hot and she says and does whatever she wants. And then Laura's jealous of Andy's, you know, presumed life success like she's got all the stuff she has like the house and the husband and the money and the 
Yeah. And if you sit on her couches, they're all very fluffy. Yes. She has fluffy, comfortable sofas. Yes. 100%. And so many satin hair scrunchies. Uh, I mean, and bows. I mean, the the amount of hair bows, it just is so many. I noted them every single time. Her her fashion in this is actually a really interesting like character on on its own. I loved it. I agree. The fashion Um, designer for this movie uh, hit it out of the park, which leads us to the introduction of James. And I have to tell you the most gorgeous golden mullet I've ever seen in my life. So so thick, so flowing, so feathered, so feathered. And you feel like you could wrap the curly cues of those locks right around your finger. And I've never understood why a mullet was popular. I know they're back. Uh, on sexy women that live in Silver Lake. Well, to be very clear, this is a luxurious mullet, not yes. a Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. That's this right. Is a, this is a thick, philosophical man mullet. Yes, yes. rather it's a than thoughtful. a yeah. It's it's a man that you know owns a classic car versus a man that owns a pickup truck. No, yeah. Not that there's absolutely anything wrong with the pickup truck. I'm just saying there's a, that's in this time period. Yeah, that was the delineation. I think. That was. The, I agree. And he's beautiful and he looks softer. I think because he played a lot of preppy dickheads. He was one of my earliest movie crushes, I would say. I had a lot of uh, music crushes that were- Oh yeah. But he was my, I think one of my earlier movie star crushes. There's a reason why he's played those roles, but there's something about his betrayal where he feels softer. He Mm -hmm. he walks in kind of in an unassuming way and, and immediately you're off put by, he answers everything truthfully. He's like, I've got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Right off the bat, you're like, there's something a little different. He doesn't communicate the way Peter Gallagher does, which is always trying to either be one-upmanship or braggadocio or trying to just be the lawyer. He seems very slightly socially awkward without feeling like he cares at all what other people think. Yes. Like there's he socially awkward only because he clearly doesn't really belong in their home and that setting. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you realize pretty, pretty quickly that he and Peter Gallagher were similar in college. Yeah. But, But now James Bader has, has taken a radically different path and that he doesn't respect Peter Gallagher and Peter Gallagher doesn't respect who he's become. Yeah, because Peter Gallagher's still the douche that he was in college. And James clearly has grown in some way, for better or for worse, he's just different. He's obviously, you know, in my opinion, surpassed the the childish ways of uh, Peter Gallagher's character. He's he's left it behind. And this is he's left him to- in the dust. If you haven't seen this movie, and, and, and maybe we'll have to eventually post a picture of him. Uh, but he is described by Peter Gallagher as dressing like an undertaker for the art world. Yeah. And Peter he Gallagher, has a black shirt on. <laughs> he's wearing a black button down and an and a crisp, lovely pair of Levi jeans. Yes. And he's fresh and shiny as a new penny. Like he does. Yep. And many times throughout the movie, it's like you're a weird outsider artsy dude. And like it's so weird that you're in our house. And I'm like, if you put this guy in Williamsburg, Silver Lake, anywhere, he would be way too overdressed. And he would look like a guy that worked at the corporate office down the street today, yeah. wearing a nice button down with a good pair of jeans. And in this movie, it's people just are like, whoa. You you literally never see Peter Gallagher's character out of a white shirt and suspenders. Like, I feel like even when he's having sex, he's somehow overdressed. <laughs> it's just, I mean, in the one scene, he's too much. Plant. 
He's got oh, a plant wearing a plant at one point. <laughs> that is true. That is, yes, there is a plant involved. I think that the in, the interesting thing about him pointing out his undertaker garb in quotes is that as Andy McDowell's character sort of falls into the my husband is garbage and I think that maybe I'm interested in exploring whatever James has to offer she begins to dress more and more in black like every time she goes to see him she's dressed in dark colors but when she's at home she's dressed in white yes that was just a good way of basically being like if you're wearing black then you're serious trouble you're 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 getting sexy with it and and you know when she's when she's not she's in her sort of like angelic white shapeless shapeless forms she's yeah. always wearing that that blanche Devereux sort of Johnny <laughs> sack dress flowers <laughs> flower dress yeah um, and then he has my what was my favorite scene when i first saw it which is the i just like to have one key scene and he talks about how if you've got Oh, a, yes. you got a car but then you've got a house you need a key and then you've got a if you've got a safety deposit box you need another key and he's like I just and if you get a job you might have to open or close and they're gonna yes. give you another key and he's like I don't want to deal with all those keys I'd rather just have one key just one key and they're like he's like well if you give up your car and get an apartment and he's like no the the, the car is key you gotta stay mobile yeah and it was, and I was so- even I was like Peter come on he's not giving up his car look at the hair <laughs> It's a man who has wheels. He's got wheels. And I just love it because it reminded me at the time of like a Jack Kerouac type of a character where it was a kid that came from privilege that saw through the bullshit of the corporate dream of that. But he clearly has some like flow of money coming in that allows him to get a $400 a month apartment, which I also think is just hilarious. And no credit (laughs) check. 400 bucks. No, 400 bucks. And the guy just goes... Uh, 400 sound good to you and then James Spader's like yeah and then he's like cool like well he, it was oh, originally the opposite, 350 it? no it was originally oh, 350 dollars, and he's like can I smoke in here and the guy goes no and he goes 400 he goes all right I'll take it That's so right. for an extra 50 dollars a month James Spader he can smoke inside so oh this also there's a great line when um Andy and James meet yeah Ray asks her right away how she feels about marriage uh, and she says that she likes it. And then he asks why. And she says, I liked the security, the house, and the fact that John was made junior partner at the law firm. Yeah. How well, 80s and sad. Yeah. How so sad. sad. At that exact moment, I paused the movie and looked up, you know, like because of women's security at the time, I was like, what, what, like, what were our actual ties to marriage at that moment in time because I was like we're you know we're almost in the 90s like we're we're very end of the 80s this you know I was 11 and so like I remember and to me it felt as though it wasn't like everyone was married like there were still there was divorces were happening like uh, my parents divorced yeah I knew I knew some people who who had gotten a divorce not it wasn't common but I did not realize so um women couldn't get their own bank account until the 1960s. So like, that's how late it was that the bank accounts were able to be opened by a woman alone. Like women weren't allowed to actually open a credit card in their own name until 1974. So that's basically, yeah. So that's 15 years before this movie, which means that like, it's not as though 
when something like that happens, like, okay, now you can get a credit card. Everyone just floods out into the streets and goes and gets a credit card. Right. That is a long trickle of like generational change that will happen. I mean, I was born in 78. So like yeah. it's such a new concept. So building credit and being able to do things on your own, like had not actually really taken hold. Yeah. You you hadn't had these years or decades or whatever behind you of being able to have a bank account, put money yeah. into it, build a credit report, all that kind of stuff. So it's like Andy was trapped in many ways. And so all of these women prior to her, it, it really was very new, very new that women were not entirely stuck in yeah. a marriage. So no, I, I think that makes perfect sense. And I also think it's another tie-in of the fact that we're moving into the 90s and mm -hmm. part of that is like just two years earlier again with this fatal attraction because we've also got marriages with a, a wealthy lawyer and a beautiful brunette wife in both movies right but I think we're still hewing to more of a mid-80s feeling in that movie which is the best thing is for the nuclear unit to stay together Michael Douglas is the wealthy lawyer and ultimately, Ann Archer, who is clearly not working, yeah. her best place is in that nuclear family, like with their daughter. And yeah. it's interesting because each, just a couple of years later, as you're starting to move into the 90s, when Andy McDowell says that line about how the very things that the 80s were supposed to be about, the husband makes a lot of money, you're a lawyer, you're a stockbroker, and you provide a secure, beautiful suburban home for your wife so she doesn't have to work. Because yeah. Peter Gallagher says, you learn early on that he let her know he'd rather she doesn't work. Even yeah, he told her to quit her job. Yeah, and she did. Yep. And so she's in a cage of her own making. But I think it was interesting that just a few years later, and then once you get into the 90s, the attitude about women working and, and the, there becomes a slew of movies where women are taking ownership of sexuality and getting and divorcing men on mm -hmm. purpose and having but God, it's so slow. Mm -hmm. And so even in my life, while I didn't want to get married and have that, that was never the goal. It wasn't like, I'm going to get married and like, I'm going to stay at home. <laughs> have, I'm going to get taken care of and anything like that. It wasn't that, but I always did assume that I would never make as much money as whatever man was either in my life or men in general. Like I just assumed. Yeah. I wasn't trained as a young age to, to value myself monetarily. No. I, like I wasn't, I wasn't taught that I could get in there and bust some balls and demand what I'm worth. Like, but, but people tell men that from the get-go, from the jump, he's Absolutely. just a hard negotiator. As soon as I got into the corporate world and started working in advertising, I immediately undervalued myself mm -hmm. because I was surrounded by these powerful male figures that I was like, whatever they have, I don't know what it is, but they're clearly worth more than me. They're value added. Yeah. Fuck all that. Fuck the patriarchy. There Ugh. we said it. Aren't we brave? So gross. <laughs> so gross. Uh, so part of the patriarchy in this film yeah. is Peter Gallagher has this nice little home set up how he likes, along with an affair with a little chili pepper, who he also doesn't respect. And mm -hmm. he sets it up so that Andy goes to help James find an apartment so that it frees up their familial bed for him to bang <laughs> Laura. Yes. Which and is so creepy. It's so creepy. So two, two quick things I want to ask you about. One is... I love it that when Andy and James are out to lunch, they immediately get into the topic of sex. And so right from the beginning, yeah, it's like she's know, comfortable. Yeah. And she's talking to him about attraction 
and she's kind of flirting with him. He's asking her about sex. She says she doesn't think it's such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then he basically tells her he doesn't believe in therapy because you shouldn't take advice from anyone you haven't had sex with. And she, the way she says back to him, well, we haven't had sex. So by your estimation, I shouldn't take your advice. And he's like, she probably should him quick. Yeah. So she puts sex and her in this sex with him and her in the same sentence. And so yeah. I feel like that's a good clue to the audience. Like, oh, shit's gonna, oh, it's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, it's clear immediately. I think it's clear almost when he walks in the door of their house that she's like, oh, he's hot. Like, I didn't realize that my husband's friend that was coming was going to be hot. It's going to be hot. <laughs> I, was, I was unaware of that detail. And in thinking about that, actually, I just realized he, that also means, oh, that also means that Peter Gallagher's character, her husband, looked at James as not a threat. Because he, yes. A, was not home when he arrived. So no. he was like, whatever. Um, didn't didn't ask her about whether or not he, he could stay. He was just like, yeah, stay. Yep. And, and it was sort of an ambiguous amount of time that he was going to stay with them as well. And so he, he does not think of his wife as a sexual being. Well, and James doesn't, if you think about it, James would never be a competitor for Peter because Peter is on that 80s greed is good rubric. I think that he just was like, oh, he's never going to be interested in my wife or my wife is never going to be interested in him because my wife is just my wife. Like, right. She's, she's again, furniture in the house. She's a Ferrari without an engine. Oh, poor Aww, Andy. Brandy, <laughs> where's your engine, girl? Poor Andy. So this Aww. is where we get interesting. The first development where we start to know a little bit about more about James. He confesses. Yeah. She asks him to tell him something personal. He confesses that he cannot have an erection in front of a woman mm -hmm. and that he used to be a liar and now he he never lies. So those yep. are kind of the first. So you're like, okay. And he despises liars. And he despises. Which, which is a way of saying, I despise your husband. Yeah. Without saying I despise your husband because he also says that he doesn't like lawyers. Yeah. Which he says, which he says directly to. To Peter. his face. Yeah. He's like, so liars are the second worst form of people. And then Andy goes, well, what's the first? And, she, and he's like, lawyers. And she goes, that's you, honey. Yeah. And I, I just mean, love that. Same. Little, like, true. True. I mean, true. Same, same. All right. And so at the meantime, we have our second Peter Gallagher and Laura, Laura Sanji uh, sex scene that involves a plant on the crotch. What do you think about this scene? What can you tell us about this scene? I mean, sexy, not sexy. Not at all. Not at all. It's, I mean, Laura is so sexy and Peter is so, I mean, I guess potentially to some people, he's a very handsome man, Yeah, but he's so slimy in this mm -hmm. movie that you, what you get is the idea that the whole reason that she is with him is to somehow get at her sister. I agree. Even if her sister does not know about the affair, yeah. there is no way that Laura is actually interested in who Peter, like she, she's just using him. And it is so clearly obvious. She's also the one who wants to have sex in their house. She was the which one. Which is gross. Which is so gross. So like whatever has gone on in their past, like, you know what, whatever sisters, I've got one. Sister relationships can be weird. Yeah. I will say I, yeah. one thing that I found sexy from the, the Laura perspective in that scene because again, it's a sex scene with no nudity. I loved, and I felt turned on this time too, about the way he's got the plant in his lap. I was, that part, I was like, 
is it scrunching your dick, bro? And do you have dirt? It didn't like, seem comfy. Your, what? Yeah, like. It was I in one of those like plastic Home Depot pots. No, it was a heavy planted pot. But what I liked was when she's like, um, she points at the pot and she's like, is that for me? And he's like, oh yeah. And then when she takes it off his lap and she points at his erection and she's like, what about that? Is that, is that for me? me? <laughs> he's like, oh yeah. And then she, then she's on top. Yeah. And what I loved is that some of the other movies we've seen, whether it's nine and a half weeks, fatal attraction, there is like wild gyrating going on and, and, and these insane sort of acrobatic and, and, and lots of nipples and things. And I love <laughs> it that like that little bit of her sexy bannering and then just sort of climbing on top of him was hotter. He's yucky. Yeah. But was hotter to me than like anything in some of these other films that we've seen that are so much yeah. more about like the mechanics of nudity and sex. Well, I mean, it's she's there to get hers, and she she does not care whether she, you can tell she doesn't care whether or not he even enjoys what's happening. Like she's like cool, but you know I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna use you up basically, yeah, until I'm done with you, which is exactly what happens as soon as she, you know, finds james eventually she's like eh, never mind that you the spell has been broken yes she's she drains peter gallagher of his vital fluids yep. and then moves and pieces on. out <laughs> now okay so what couple follows next is a set of things that now ever so we've done the sex we've done the lies and now yes. in the rest of the movie we're sort of delving into the way the videotapes sort mm -hmm. of impact sex and lies and yes truth right but it, what leads into it is a, my most problematic scene, oddly, with Laura. Interesting. Which is okay. Andy basically is talking to her sister. They're going to buy a gift for the mom. And and Laura is just like, who is this guy? Who is his college friend? What's his story? And and Andy is like trying to protect that information and kind of keep him as, as her thing. And Laura is very persistent about, I want to meet him. Well, where does he live? And, and you can tell Andy uh -huh. right away is like, I'm afraid you'll fuck him. And she's basically like, well, if I fuck his brains out, like that's- What's it to you? What's it to you? And she's very aggressive about- So aggressive. Wanting to meet him. And I actually was like, why? why? Because it's all about her sister. Because okay. it's all about getting at her. Every, I feel like every single thing, I think that she looks at Andy's character as, you know, as, looks at her sister as- above her like as yeah. as elitist and like oh you think you're so good you think you're so much better than me or whatever so anything that she has she's gonna take and she's like oh you have a new toy well I'm gonna take the new toy for myself that makes sense you can't have anything that I couldn't get at you with yeah <laughs> I really think that that's like Laura's whole thing is just like you think you're so much better than me you're not you're that's not true. I can I can do I can do your husband I can do your you know your new potential, toy your potential new toy I can yeah you know I can have that too no I think that does make sense so then and then so Andy goes over and this begins a runner that I'm obsessed with which is the first time she goes to his apartment he offers her iced tea <laughs> and he also has lemon yes and like that's version one and I'm like iced tea it looks delicious he put it it looks so good it immediately made me want iced tea and I, I did. never drink iced tea why would we what? like remember the sun tea days Hell yeah, I do. This was in the sun tea era. It has made me legitimately this year want to get one of those glass, um, those glass jugs that you keep in your uh your refrigerator that has yes. the lemons yes. printed on 
outside of it yes and just constantly keep a, a tea in there yeah. i'm like that sounds refreshing i'm gonna do it like set it summer- in your backyard this is the summer <laughs> of sun tea it's back baby bringing the sun tea back um and this is where she discovers the videotapes uh-huh yep. so they're right out they're right out they're not try to hide it they're not trying to hide it they all have women's names he, she's intrigued and repulsed as yep. as the audience surrogate were and we know we see him looking actually pretty sexy with a, the red blanket and he's sort of gently stroking his chest but we know because he's oh, yeah. when, masturbating. She, when she got there he was he was potentially masturbating to one of these yes tapes and then he puts on pants <laughs> and i love it because when she goes am i interrupting and my favorite is he goes i can finish later so even <laughs> then he's not lying he, he, he yeah can, yeah so he sort of explains to her the rules which is we talked a little bit about it the women know they're being videotaped they agree and sometimes they're three minutes sometimes it's three hours but it's a chance mm-hmm. for women i feel like it's almost like symbiotic as opposed to like a succubus thing and i love that first girl that talks about getting off on the airplane because she's vulnerable and sweet and sexy and it's like it reminded me of how rarely men or, or anyone really ask women what anything they like yeah <laughs> oh yeah literally anything. literally anything no i agree like i love the fact that his character has dealt with whatever his past is by i don't know deciding that women in and of themselves are sex are sexy and they're mm-hmm. they're sexual beings and that's what's going to do it for him and he doesn't need to you know you're never we're never given the context of what happened like mm-hmm. why he you know can't perform in front of a woman but the fact know, that he's yeah. gone in that direction it, it's not like he has this this whole store of porn in his house no. he's very specifically talking to women about what they like and which listening is, yeah, and like, listening, which is so interesting. What gets you off? What were your first experiences? Do you masturbate? And it's in I, I really think the casting was so brilliant here too, because the women are we see a couple of these moments, mm-hmm. including later, spoiler alert, Laura's. Yeah. And they're they're kind of sweet. Oh yeah. Um, and sexy and and it's it's lovely. And but but Andy is obviously flipped out and she yeah. flees back to her sister and says, uh uh-uh. uh she doesn't say what it is but she says this guy's a perv or mm-hmm. or no just he's weird yeah she's weird i think yeah and uh but of course with our what do we know about laura what's she gonna do immediately oh she's like weird let me at him yeah like i can do this i can handle this i want more and she goes right over there and is basically like yeah i i, I want to i want to make a video I, I think that it's I think it's so interesting. I think her character is really interesting. And I think that like I think I'm, I would have been more the Laura character in this than anything else in my own yeah. life, but I w- I wouldn't have been quite that aggressive as she is, and I'm definitely not as bitchy as, as her. No. But I definitely think that I would have been also very intrigued by this whole concept. Yeah. I'm intrigued by it now. I mean, at oh, yeah. no, you and I are exploring sex and women's sexuality. That's what this podcast is about. And I 100%. think the idea that they were saying, or even when Laura, you know, does hers, she's talking about like the early sexuality, like how she and this boy were going to show each other their hoo-hahs and she peed in front of him and it made him so scared he ran away. And yeah. she knew then she was a sexual, she was going to become a sexual being. Yeah. And she was eight. Yeah. She and always like, had that. Yeah, totally. And then I love the way she described the first penis she ever saw, how she imagined oh it God. versus what it was like when she held it. And I thought uh, that, that was such, it had to have, co- that, that concept had to have come from a woman. 
Yes. Like I I, he, so, right? he had to have in order to make this movie, I assume, actually had conversations with women. He must have interviewed women about their their sex, you know, the sex lives or about their, yeah. you know, sexual thoughts or something like that because it was such an accurate. I think that I think that I thought a very similar thing as a little kid. I mean, I think yeah. I saw a naked person pretty young not in like a creepy way but I think yeah. I knew what you know naked man looked like but I think prior to that I probably thought a very similar similar thing that she did which was that like a guy's penis was just smooth yes just smooth like glass <laughs> yeah and- which I thought was so cute I was like yeah why would you think anything else? No, and you don't think of the veins and the ridges no. and the personalities. Like each penis has its own little glad to know you spirit about it. <laughs> and uh, she didn't know. I love it. Um, no, but it's then true. It was like when she said, you know, she touched him and he said it felt good. And so this was actually to me a very erotic, like you talk about like, I heard this interview the other day on a documentary actually that's coming out about Pornhub. One of the porn activists on the sh- on the documentary just in the, first few minutes was saying she defined porn as something that you would watch that would elicit you to be turned on mm-hmm. and I thought well Which is anything it's anything and then the the the, the, um, the journalist said well that's anything and she said yeah mm-hmm. it is and I thought mm-hmm. I was very turned on watching Laura's video that was a turn on to me and, and his response to it was a turn on uh-huh which is funny more turn on than I've been in in a lot of movies that are have sex scenes oh yeah no so it's like it's what's erotic much- well, and like that, I think it's also very much for the women's mind as yes. well, because like it, it, which is addressed in the in the movie a little bit. What God, what is what is he? James Fader says, um, men. I wrote um, this down. Men fall more and more. Men fall in love with women that they are attracted to, and women become more and more attracted to the men that they're in love with. Yep, that's exactly it. Is exactly the line, it, which is and, a which is an incredibly I will I will flag that as an incredibly heteronormative, uh, you know, cis sort of like white bread, very straight down the very middle of the road statement. Yes, but we get where you're going with. It. Yes, um, I, I was funny. I listened to that and I was like, "How dated is it, or isn't it?" And I don't know. But that statement, I, yeah, because I would say that I have definitely talk to a lot of men who say the first thing that would make them want to be with a woman is physical attraction and chemistry. Yeah. And uh-huh. I do not hear as many women say that, say that. And again, we're uh, talking uh, yeah. heteronormatively because I'm a cis woman. And so I'm only going to speak to my sexual attraction or relationship with yeah. cis men. Um, but I, I definitely will say in my anecdotal evidence, I hear much more from men that sexual attraction and chemistry is way higher on their list of, of wanting to ask someone out than it is on women's yeah in I mean, and there's always exceptions yeah you know there's there's always degrees and everything like that but I I mean as someone who also is pretty much only attracted to somebody because of their personality like yes. I, I I cannot separate the two things like yeah. I've never really never met anyone who I was like physically attracted to and that was it so uh Laura's so horned up by this video <laughs> that she calls Peter Gallagher over, or what is the most hilarious thing on earth? Because you don't see the sex, but they are dripping, drenched in sweat. Like they've just taken very sweaty baths. It is sweat that could only exist in the South during the summer. Yes, like it is-, is humid summertime Southern sex. 
it's ridiculous. It is absolutely absurd how sweaty they are. I mean, you're really supposed to believe, and you do, that they just went at it mm-hmm. so hard. Like she really just went for it. And then she's like, you can go. And she's like, GTFO. Yeah. And I like it too. Bye. She's not obsessed with him. She's not whining. I mean, we have to put to the side that this is her sister, but in terms of her view, she's like, I got mine. I'm a sweaty hothouse flower. You can take your slimy ass and get the fuck out. And she also basically tells Peter Gallagher, I don't trust you. I trust James Spader. Mm-hmm. I trusted him with my secrets. Oh, and this gets into something really important that I want to chat about. There's a safe space of this movie, which is even if James wasn't an ethical person mm-hmm. and he didn't stand by his word, which he, he is very true to this movie, which is no one else can see this. This is one videotape. Mm-hmm. which the worst that could happen if it got out is actually very little. Yeah. What would be the consequences and what would this film look like today? And could you have the same feelings about James Spader knowing that he would be doing it on an iPhone and this would be uploaded to the cloud? And if you think I about the whole, damage, yes. right? No, I, I feeling like I you think whole, about that. Yeah. So for one thing, this is clearly such a time capsule movie. Like it, it could not exist in any format that that it does in any other time like like as in like this this particular storyline the way that it's formatted in the movie like it just does not exist before or after this moment really no. like because you're in the moment of the home vhs yep. the camcorder yep. being very you know popular god love his camcorder yeah i, got, I had such memories Totally. And it's small and it's inexpensive. You know, it's something that is yep. a, an attainable item. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like the, even the early eighties, it was like, you know, you could get a, you get a video camera, but it was bulky and yeah. expensive. Um, so this is exactly at the time where someone would have had that. Yeah. And also we did. there's, you're not, distri- there's no distribution. There's no distro. Like, no. I mean, yes, potentially he could, you know, make copies and sell them, but to su- but I mean, to who? who are they going to such a small yeah. audience and and also he's not they're, they're not even really pornographic necessarily some right. of them are but not not all yeah so this is actually an interesting thought that I have thought of just in general now which is the people who made tapes back then like you know sexy tapes or even who worked in porn yeah believed that at that period in time that they were making something that would die that just it was a cassette that wouldn't live that long and right. even if it did it would be in the back room be in of someone's some... house or yeah, that, I mean, yeah. so now when you look at stuff like the popularity of vintage you know pornography mm-hmm. you're like oh my god these are people that didn't necessarily want that right you know and they are forced into you know, you know, someone being a 70 year old woman now who wanted to leave something like that behind, didn't want anyone to know. And now they might, you know, they might end up going online and finding their mother or grandmother, you know, I don't know. Dangerous now like that for that character. If you think about like even a teenage girl now takes a picture of her boobies, texts it to her boyfriend, that can now be all over the web. The stakes are so high now Mm -hmm. that anything that anyone films you doing could not only be all over the internet, it could also be copied on Pornhub where people could watch it for free. It could be yep. put in compilations without your knowledge. Like, and it could, and has driven girls to suicide. Absolutely. So it's like this movie in this form couldn't, I don't see how that storyline could exist. No, now. it's 
it's a very pure moment of like one person interacting with one other person and it's just between the two of them whereas now that literally couldn't exist even if they were putting it on a VHS even if even if someone bought an old school VHS camcorder you still would never know whether or not they were eventually going to upload that to the internet you would have no concept so like there's no way of this being a trusting situation Mm -mm. where you know a woman feels comfortable and free to speak what's on her mind and to you know maybe masturbate for the camera or whatever she wants to do because she felt like it not because he even asked and he doesn't ask he doesn't ask it's just super interesting because it's a little sad because any anything that's just so personal we've we've lost the ability to be like I trust you so in the meantime she makes this great tape she has a great time she tells Peter Gallagher move on and then Andy is sexually repressedly binge cleaning her beautiful prison oh my god Oh my God, her binge clean, oh. her aggressive, angry binge clean. Girl, the way she's getting like the spots off the beautiful silver, like faucet in the Oh kitchen. my God, it the faucet. I was like, whoa, girl, like you are. Like, you need to get laid, lady. I was or like, I've never, it's like, I've never even seen anyone clean a faucet that way. I mean, seen- for one thing, she has already confronted her husband about whether or not he's having an affair and he has lied to her face and said no. He gaslit her too. He absolutely gaslit her so so hard so hard that I can't even believe that her house is still standing I was like that should be a fireball dude yeah like that match man holy he's a piece of shit oh he's a piece of garbage undermines her completely and she is so she's smart she's a and and you don't even need to be smart in this case it doesn't even matter but she's smart and she knows and so him saying no she you know her her angry cleaning is because she knows and she doesn't know what to do with the anger and also you know that she's gonna find her sister's earrings in the bedroom because there was was only a matter of time as soon as she her sister took the earrings off during the famous plant scene yep you're like oh well clearly andy's gonna clean that room and find those earrings that was like the Chekhov's gun it was the Chekhov's cheap (laughs) pearl earring yeah uh, and I love it that when it went off, Andy literally smashes. It's the first time we've ever seen her really cut. She smashes that fucking thing. Yep. And then puts on a black tank top and jeans in a with messy outfit. Messy hair. Yep. Oh, it was so good. So I, in that scene, I wonder if you um, felt this too. So there is a very specific type of everything just fell apart anger yeah that is so freeing so freeing it gives you this like energy and this nothing matters I have all of a sudden all the confidence in the world because fuck literally everything yeah and you can never cultivate that level of like explosive energy and fuck it fuck fuck everything because it's almost a good feeling it is yeah it is borderline euphoria because the thing that has happened, whatever led up to it yeah. is so bad. And you were yeah. so pissed off that you're like, it's self-righteous in your, your anger. Yeah. And it is almost awesome. I mean, like I, I, as soon as she got that mad, as soon as she found the earring, I was like, oh, it's on. Yes. I love that. Like, I love that feeling for you. Cause you're like, <laughs> you know? you're free girl. Yeah. Like if you think about all the shapes that any of us 
to varying degrees, have to twist ourselves to stay in the life that we're in. Things we don't say, things we don't confront, things we let slide, little lies we tell ourselves. There's mm -hmm. a lot of work that it takes to keep yourself in any life, right? Mm -hmm. Like even a good life. Mm -hmm. um, and they're and they're like strike a balance and you've got to cooperate and you've got to do all kinds of dances. And that mm -hmm. is life and that, that's not a problem. Yeah. Or a good life. Yeah. But a life like hers, the work she had to do to keep a shitty marriage together with a person that's not her equal, that's cheating on her, that doesn't value her, that she's not attracted to because she knows she's not safe. It's like that earring burned the entire house and everything in it down. And suddenly she was free. She didn't have to hold back on anything or mm -hmm. hide any part of who she was because she's like, life as I knew it is dead. I'm standing yeah. in the ashes. Now what the fuck? Now that earring, what? that earring, like let the veil fall on everything. Yeah. And it was such a good thing to have yeah. happen. Yeah. And I think that- there, the reason, you know, spoiler alert, the reason that her and her sister end up, you know, back together in the end as potentially friends yeah. is like, that was a good thing. She, yeah. I mean, her sister inadvertently saved her yeah. from, you know, a long drawn out death basically yeah. within that marriage. You're right. Before she's so old and been so beaten down and, 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 and we haven't talked about it much, but we know this entire film that she doesn't masturbate. Oh yeah, she's and and she's and she's never afraid had of it. She's never she, had an she, orgasm. She said she doesn't. She said she told James that she didn't know. She's she's like yeah. I don't know. And I'm like, girl, if you didn't, if you don't know, then the answer is no. You know. So she goes over there, and she tells him a great line. Oh, by the way, in my favorite runner, the first time she goes, he's got iced tea and he offers her lemon. The second time she oh, comes yes. by, he just has iced tea. He's out of lemon. The third time, third time she gets there. He's out of iced tea and he just has water. And I just like it that, you know, he made a big pot of tea at the beginning of this week and yeah. he's had more guests than he anticipated. <laughs> he just worked his way through the thing of iced tea. Yes, he didn't know how many people would be coming over. It's like, I thought it'd just be me and my videotapes and here the steady stream of people keeps walking through my door. And he's such a gentleman. I love it that by the end, he's like, I got tap water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but she says to him, I want to, I want to make a tape. Yeah. And she has my the most amazing line of the movie, I think, from her growth. Is she says, My life is shit. Nothing is what I thought it was. John's a bastard. Let's make a videotape. I, I love, love it, it that each sentence, no curly cues, no how do yeah. I say it? Yep. Short, declarative. And each, mm -hmm. they're all right. Her life is shit. Nothing yep. is what she thought it was. John is a bastard. And she should she make should this make that videotape. Tape. Yep. Andy's character in this whole scenario should have been single for way longer. Yeah. Like yeah. she just, she didn't know who she was. She should have found herself first. Laura, the sister, should have been allowed to stay and just be a free, sexy, creative being and explore without shame. But she was clearly sort of fighting against society's norms. vision of her, her norms yeah. and, and shame over the fact she likes to have sex and it's pretty obvious yeah and she's you know like she acts as though she's not ashamed of that but you can tell that she kind of is the fact you know, that she's, she's always not... like comparing herself yeah with she's a... comparing but yeah. you know one thing i thought was interesting she's one of the first characters i remember ever seeing and even to this day there isn't i don't think enough representation of a woman who genuinely has a higher sex drive mm-hmm than than many women that loves mm -hmm. loves having sex loves getting off 
and that it's or a, women that you see that she, you're aware she has of. A, yeah, that, yeah that you're aware of in the movies like she she has like a in my opinion a totally normal sex drive yeah. but like she's she's just fine with being single yeah um unattached and having sex for fun yeah. which is something that i mean i guess it starts to be portrayed in movies around this time but this is a pretty new character um and and james should be in therapy um but since we don't really know he probably wouldn't have ended up in therapy in the first place if all things were right in the world kind of a situation yeah like i think that whatever led up to whatever issues he has were environmental you know i think you're right yeah um i love that no it's funny to imagine that them that way and it's funny too because she when they're making the videotape with andy she admits to him that she's thought about him sexually. Mm-hmm. He admits that he's thought about her too. And then he said he's wondered what she would look like having an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Very sexy. Um, and then they have sort of a, a pot de do kind of a fight where she basically calls him out and is like, you can't live like this forever. And he's sort of pushing back and he's like, why are you doing this? Before they make the tape. And she says, because I think I can help you. And it's the first mm. more moment that you think, ah, she's trying to break through partially because she feels that there's a, a connection there. Mm-hmm. And then we know they've made the tape with a very ambiguous final shot where she's looking up at him. Yeah. But you realize as it pulls back that they're both fully dressed and he just sort of touches her and she leaves, um, which leaves us wondering what she said. But we find out in a very explosive way when she gets home late and, uh, Peter Gallagher finds out what happened. I mean, he, I mean, the thing is that he is so furious. Yeah. Not even because I think that he is so jealous, but because I think he just never thought that it could possibly happen. He's so angry. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, the person that I thought was sort of under my thumb, the person that I thought that I was you know, someone I'd have to rely on and take care of me and take care of my home and look nice for me forever Yes, has just shown to to me that that's not the case. Like that yes. I, I don't actually have any control over this and oh no, the facade is crumbling. And so he's, he, his reaction and his explosive anger isn't even, you know, it's nothing compared to what she had. What she had yes. was this righteous, like completely, you know, freeing, like I said, kind of beautiful anger where yeah. she's fuck everything because, yeah. you know, I've been lied to. Mm-hmm. Whereas with him, she really didn't even lie to him. No, it sh- there wasn't a lie. There was no ruse. No. She was like, you lied to me. And so and- I don't have to deal yeah. with it. I think as far as she was concerned, her marriage ended when she found the earring. And I love that he uh, goes to James, punches him in the face, locks him out of his own apartment, and yep. then finds the tape because he he absolutely must know what yes. happened. Like he must yes. see the tape, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like it's almost like a rape because it's like he owns her image. He thinks he owns a right that somehow he's been wronged, even though he's been stripping her sister and would have continued if yeah. she hadn't broken it off. And yes. yet he feels so righteous. I mean, I don't think that she betrayed him, but that is much more intimate than just sleeping with someone. Yeah. You know, having some sort of emotional connection, which she obviously did with James, way more intimate than than any sort of physical thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think he just proves 
I mean, how many men have found out that their wives, their ex-wives were dating someone else and gone back and and, and killed the lover, killed the wife? I oh mean, that, the, it's a very, yeah. in, you could tell the scene when, he, when she first says she's going to leave him and about the tape, he's struggling not to hit her. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he, he balls he up his towers fist. over her and like, yeah. you know, comes two inches from her face and hitting her. And I'm like, as far as I'm concerned, that is an example of like, menacing and that that is abuse what what he's just perpetrated on her and i'm sure that he does not think that and i'm sure she probably doesn't even think it she's just gonna let she's like i want done anyway so it's the matter but yeah and i think it's interesting when you look at our generation you know now and the fall of marriage rates and yeah people having children all that kind of stuff because it's just we're like oh wait we don't need to right there's a million ways (laughs) You know, even in our friend group, like we have an incredibly tight mm-hmm. group of women who support each other, love each other, similar mm-hmm. age range. Many of us are married, but even within that, the marriages do not all look the They're same. They're all different. Then, you don't need yeah. to do it like everyone else thought you had to do it. Like I know that my relationship doesn't look anything like my parents' relationship thing. And we all just have such a different like format. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We, we know we're at the videotape. And we know what we didn't know before, which when Peter Gallagher watches it, which is that she initiates putting his hands on her face, on her neck, Mm -hmm. on her lips. She kisses him. He kisses her back. Then he lays her down and then turns off the recording. You asked the question and Johnny Cake and I had a whole debate about this last night. So I've been so excited. Oh, whether or not they hooked up at that point. So I've been so excited. He's like, well, you have to talk to Alexis and see if she agrees with, we did not agree, (laughs) by the way. Johnny Cake and I were at loggerheads. Um, yeah, interesting. What do you think? Did they? Didn't they? Where are you at? Um, for one thing, I think it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because something. I think that one of the things that's interesting about this movie is sort of played out in that scene, which is what is sex and what is intimacy, and does it matter? Like, I mean, it's the what is sex conversation yeah. basically what what do you define as sex it's sex is intimacy and like I think that they have a really intimate sexual moment after the camera's off and does it matter whether or not it's intercourse right no, not right. really right no I get that yeah I uh Johnny what, were, thought, what was the who fell on which side of the <laughs> Johnny thought they hooked up and he didn't you know take it so far as like what was it like did he give her an orgasm did they have sex what but he's like oh I think he turns off the camera and they have some version of sex uh-huh. And I, I didn't think so personally, because one was just the very wonky camera framing, which is when you see it the first time you see a little bit of her chest, but it, it comes clear in the pullout that she's got her black tank top on and her knees are kind of up on a pillow, but she's got her jeans on and her hair. And when you see the final version of it after Peter Gallagher comes, um, the position she's laying in when he turns off the camera is the exact same position as she was in earlier when he touches her and she gets up to leave. So I felt that whatever happened wouldn't have been any closey takey offy or anything like that. I don't Mm. know if it was a moment where they admitted feelings or another kiss, but I got the sense that it was more like the turning off the tape was turning off all the tapes. That Uh it was like, I'm not going to tape more of this because from now on, whatever our relationship looks like it will be something real outside of yeah anyway that was my takeaway and then of course he smashes the tapes 
so yeah, you know or whatever them. you know he's done yeah with tape. do you think that had um peter gallagher not come over and punched him in the face he would have smashed all of his tapes or do you think that he was like do you think he was already headed in that direction i do because i think his idea before was that when i'm with a woman i'm not good i tend mm-hmm. to lie i tend to and that there was something in that head to head with andy that made him believe there was a way forward specifically with her because mm-hmm. she's seen all of this she's seen this part of him mm-hmm. he doesn't have to hide that yeah that it, he could try they've seen Which, each other they've seen yeah i like that yeah because i guess yeah. a lot of this movie is about being seen mm-hmm. and i think she feels that she can see him and that he sees her whereas peter gallagher never saw her if you asked him what she's about what she's worth i don't think he could tell you anything yep but i think james spader could um, and then interesting. Yeah. We, I like it. Uh, that was just my vibe. But then yeah. we come to the final scene where we don't know how far in the future we are, but they're together. Yeah. I th- I don't think it's very far in the future, honestly. I think that it's pretty, I think it's weeks, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe a couple I mean, weeks. Yeah. Cause they have a, they have sort of a, a casual vibe, like a comfort with each other that would indicate that it's not just the following day. Yeah. You're right. Like also the <laughs> yeah. fact that she, well, you know what's in the future, at least a bit. And she has a job. She's and, got a job. Yeah. She brings Lorsi and Giacomo um, a plant for her birthday. Yes. Um, she's constantly being given plants throughout the school. <laughs> like, girl, you need a plant. You need something to take care of. Her, her apartment is just a jungle by the yeah. end of it. It's such overrun. Um, so we know that she's working and we love that. And I loved the feeling of he's on the stair and she walks up. And they just kind of wrap their fingers. And then the last line is she says, I think it's going to rain. Yeah. And he's like, I think so. And I it's don't so know. Good. I loved it. It's, I mean, it is such a, to anyone who has listened to this whole thing and still, and has not seen the movie. It is such a good movie. I mean, it holds up. It really does. And, and the way that uh, it doesn't only make it resonate more, like all the themes hold up. It's just, he doesn't have a cell phone and these videos can't be put online. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, I, I thought it was intimate and 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 sexy and approached infidelity so differently than you know, like we were talking about Fatal Attraction or any other movie at the time. And it's not surprising to me that this basically launched the smart, interesting indie movies of the '90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. before the market fell out for like mid-range movies. Yeah, like like that golden day of those yeah. movies that I'm obsessed with still. Oh, I'm missing miss. that. Yeah, I miss them. This movie would have been put out by A24. Yes, you know this yes. would have absolutely been an A24 film. Yes, like for sure. All right, final final evaluations. Is that sexy? Yes. Yes. Definitively. Yes. Yes. This is Wait. a sexy movie. Women's pleasure is sexy. I know. Who would have thought? It's crazy. Uh, yeah, this was this was sexy. I lo- I loved it. I love this movie. It was great. Me too. I loved it. I think everyone should watch it. I don't care what generation you are. I give it uh, five out of five plants. Five out of five out of five gifted plants. I give it a f- <laughs> on our scale. I give it five out of five gifted plants and one sweaty sex that's like being in a sauna in Atlanta. Oh. And I give sweaty it, southern sex i give it five jars of of sun tea with lemons on the side oh my god i can't wait to make sun tea this summer all right 
Oh, thank you. Let's keep it sexy. I loved it. I loved it too. All right, next time. Next time. And that is it. We have now deconstructed sex, lies, and videotape. Thank you for joining us. If you like this podcast, please go give us a review. It would mean the world to us. And if you didn't like the podcast, no big deal. You are free to just never listen again and and tell no one about it. But if you did, follow us for updates on Instagram at That's Not Sexy Pod or send us suggestions for movies you'd like us to cover at info at that's not sexy pod.com. And thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Thank you. That's Not Sexy is brought to you by Morning Fog Entertainment, created by Alexis Mixter and produced by Alexis Mixter and AJ D'Agostino, edited by John Morrow with music from Disastronaut and extra inspiration from the Dag Morrow hounds, Bowie and Scully. We love you.